0: Howdy. Today, I'll tell you who I think should fill defensive vacancies on the Florida Gators, why the Florida Gators win over Vanderbilt just wasn't good enough. And my opinion on Gators that weren't invited to the NFL combine only here on Locked on Gators. You are locked on Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Thursday. I'm Brandon Olson, WNS underscore Brandon on Twitter, written works with whole nine sports. And we're going to take a look at some Florida defensive openings that, or I'll tell you who I think should fill the spots, and we'll talk about some other candidates for those spots. First up is corner. Um, Outside corner is a big thing because last year we had Kyrie Elam on one side and Jason Marshall and Avery Helm rotating on the other. And prior to the season, it was expected Kyrie Elam Jaden Hill and Jaden Hill got injured and missed the season. And when Kyrie Elam was out, it was Avery Helm Jason Marshall. Very easy. But this year we've got, we can likely say that Jason Marshall will take one of those spots as, corn, as a corner on the outside of this roster. Um, we can also say that, it's fair to assume Avery Helm, Jaden Hill, or Jalen Kimber will fill one of those other spots there. Um, we know I want it to be Avery Helm. I know and you know that you, most of you, want it to be Jaden Hill or Jalen Kimber. And look, I, I get it. Um, I think there's more upside and more stability when you look at Avery Helm. I think Avery Helm played way better than most people are giving him credit for. Um, I don't really know why that is. I think he's got fantastic hands and ball and instincts. I think it's a big thing. And I like, sure, he doesn't have the picks to show for it, but I think when you watch his tape and you see his hand usage and how he could break up these passes, I think that goes a long way. And a lot of people are not giving him that credit for. And look, I, I'll say I am open to any combination of the corners on the field. Cause I think we're going to rotate. I think that's going to be a big thing in the secondary here. So whether it's Marshall helm or Marshall and Helm on the outside, Jaden Hill in the slot or Marshall and Hill outside with Avery Helm in the slot, I don't care who it is. Uh, I, I, I'm fine with that combination. I think right now, Jalen Kemper is the odd man out because I mean, he's most recently added to this team and I, I just, I, I feel like he's, got more to prove at this point, which could be a big, a good thing. Cause that could, that could light it under him. You know, I'm not going to say the words, but yeah, that could light a fire under his, yeah, you know, um, but like my choice here, it's Avery Helm. I think he's the best, uh, he's the best corner to start opposite Jason Marshall. And again, like, I think Jason Marshall is pretty much pencil in there right now. Edge two is another spot because we have Brenton Cox jr. Who, by the way, uh, unfollowing everybody, except for the Nagurski trophy, was a baller move on his part. But on the opposite edge, uh, nothing but a question mark there, really. Uh, I think that most people, including myself, think that Prince Liam and should be the guy. I I think most of us are like, yeah, he's he's next in line. Personally, I would have loved for it to be Chris Bogle, but, um, you know, he didn't get enough playing time and... Couldn't get him to say in Gainesville. So he is in East Lansing with the Michigan State Spartans where he's probably going to get a, I don't know, like a a 10-sack season and he's going to be in the NFL and he's going to be an early round pick. And we're going to say, damn, that's another player that the Florida Gators missed out on. Uh, I think Lloyd Summerall and Chief Borders are interesting options here. Uh, Both are guys who didn't play a ton last season, but I think that they both present versatility as far as, pass rush ability and the ability to drop back in coverage more um i i don't think princely is really that type to drop back in coverage a ton but i can see him taking over the zachary carter role in a way uh he's not as big as zachary carter he's not as powerful as zachary carter so he's probably gonna have to spend more time outside but i think he could step in and sub packages into that little three tech spot and maybe make the plays there that uh that Zachary Carter could make where it's like, Hey, we're taking advantage of a, of a guard. That's not as powerful or, or is not as fast. And and we can kind of work our way there. But uh, yeah, I, I think that we can see princely start as the edge, but then bounce inside and then have either Lloyd Summerall or chief borders step in as the other edge and, and kind of, Give us more versatility in terms of running those creepers and sim pressure and dropping guys back that are not traditionally dropped back into coverage. So I think that there's a role for, or a a significant role for two or three of these guys. Um, my my choice would be Prince Leo and as the main starter. And when he bumps inside as a three tech, then we see Chief Borders step onto the field. Uh, I think Chief Borders' athleticism is a big thing, and his his uh, experience as an off-ball linebacker and as a safety in high school uh, re- really add to this defense where he can kind of drop back into coverage and make some more plays than Lloyd Summerall would be able to make. And I wouldn't be opposed to him being the starting edge if uh, if he can prove his worth in spring and summer ball. Linebacker two is the other spot that we're going to talk about. Ventra Miller, he's, he's linebacker one. We know that, that he's going to be that guy. He is easily... The best run defender available for Florida. Um, I I really don't think that that's up for debate at all. But then you got to talk about linebacker too. And personally, you guys know who I'm going to champion for. I'm championing for Shamar James. Um, I think he's going to be the next man up. I think Shamar James is the real deal when I watch him. But I think it's close between him, Derek Wingo, Scooby Williams, and... One black would probably be the other guy to talk about. Uh, like i said, like Amari Bernie's here again, but I really just am not bought in on Amari Bernie. I think he's done nothing to really earn that. Um, and so I'm and so I'm not in. But like Edge and Corner, I think we see a rotation here. I think that we're gonna see guys who, like I've said, they're going to have certain roles, and in certain situations, we're going to put them out there. Like I'm passing downs or obvious passing downs, like when it's like third and 14, I highly doubt we're gonna see Ventrell Miller on the field. We're probably going to see DeWan Black and Scooby Williams or something like that. Like we're probably going to see some combination there um, where I think that I think we're going to see people like DeWan Black come in, in multiple different occasions and multiple different situations and multiple different roles. Like I think we'll see him play a little bit of edge this year. I, I, I think that this is the year where we see him line up on the line of scrimmage and drop back into coverage or rush the passer or be an interior pass rusher, whatever it may be. I think he's going to be that Swiss army knife that, We've, we've been talking about for seemingly forever when he initially committed to Florida and then went the Juco route and then came back to Florida or well not came back, but came to Florida for the first time. Um, so I think we're going to actually see him play that Swiss army knife role. But uh, my choice would be Shamar James or Dewan Black. I think if it's not Shamar, I'm totally comfortable with Dewan Black being the guy because I think he just, uh, I think he provides so much, for this defense. And I I think that he really, really adds a lot of value here, especially this year. And I mean, look, we could be honest about it. He should have been starting or maybe not starting, but he should have been playing a lot more last year than he did. But we had not great coaching staff. Uh, I'll, I'll say that, especially on the defensive side of the ball, lacking in a lot of areas. And I think that they really dropped the ball with essentially wasting a year of Duwan Black's playing career. I think that was just an awful decision by the coaching staff. And I mean, it's not surprising why they're not here anymore, right? March Madness is just a few weeks away. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're running your brackets this year. And I have a suggestion. RunYourPool.com is the place to be. Along with standard brackets, they got Pick'Em, they got Survivor. It's stuff you won't find on ESPN or CBS. And when you use RunYourPool.com, You'll be able to set your bracket with me and the Lockdown Gators listeners for free, which I'll set up soon. Uh, join the whole network at runyourpool.com slash lockdown. If you want to set up your own pool for family, business, charity, whatever it might be, use code pure madness at checkout to receive $10 off your custom pool, runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize for free, free to sign up, free to use, only got to pay if you're starting your own pool. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Be sure to check out Lockdown Bracket Breakdown on March 14th, right here on the Lockdown Gators podcast feed and YouTube channel. Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and Lee Sterling give you in depth breakdowns on every matchup. Will the Gators be in there? I honestly don't know because this is a rough year for Gators fans of basketball. Um, looking at, you know, Florida played against Vanderbilt uh, on Tuesday, and look. Was the win nice? Yeah, the win was nice. Sure. We we could take the win and we can we can go eh, add one to the win column. Um I I'm gonna be very blunt with you and pardon the language, but uh I don't give a damn about the win. Florida should have run Vanderbilt out the freaking gym. Like that was that was horrible. Don't get me wrong. Vanderbilt, I don't think they're a bad team. I think it's the best Vanderbilt team that we've seen in quite some time. But I think they're good on defense or better on defense than they are on offense. And I think a lot of their offense is strictly get to the free throw line or get a three-pointer. And Florida, what the hell, man? The defense just wasn't there. CJ Felder started. He only played six minutes. He was questionable from the start and ultimately tried going but couldn't. The Gators were down big. They went on a 9-0 run to end the game and win the game. And Flan Fleming hit a nice three-pointer to end it. Uh, and I don't even care about the individual stats. You know, I don't care that Colin Castlin had um, 19 points and nine rebounds. I don't, I don't care. I don't care or 19 points and eight rebounds. Uh, I don't care that Flynn Fleming had 16 points. I, I don't care. I don't care about his 16 and six. That means nothing to me. Nope. Because yeah, that's great. Your individual, your individual achievements, fantastic. Proud of you. And I like both those players, especially Flynn Fleming, because a lot of a lot of Gators fans were pissed when georgia won the national championship and he was happy that you know his hometown team which oh man that his hometown team won the national championship and gators fans were pissed at him and they were like get him out of here he's gonna be selling cars in a couple years he he's probably making six figures off nil deals and all this and it's like well look if he's good enough to make six figures off nil deals he's probably going to be playing pro ball so you got to pick your stance on that one because that is still the dumbest thing that i've ever heard um but no I, I care much more about the quality of the win uh yeah yeah q1 win whatever that's that's great uh quad one win whatever that's great uh but florida should have dominated that game i i think that the defensive game plan should have been simple that it should have been protect the paint and watch the corners and and <laughs> God, it is completely unacceptable that a Vanderbilt team with so few scoring options... There are three legitimate scorers on that team. Two of them are strictly spot-up shooters. Uh, With so few scoring options and such little scoring variety. Again, their game plan, get to the free-throw line, get open three-pointers, usually in the corner. Um, I don't know how you could allow that team to score 78 points. Um, I don't know... (sighs) I don't know how you could allow the team to shoot 15 for 29 from three. It's just, to me, it, it's completely unacceptable. I just, I don't think that's it now. They protected the paint. That's fine. Great. Colin Kessler can pretty much handle that on his own against the majority of teams. And Scottie Pippen Jr., you know, leading the nation in free throw attempts, couldn't get to the line consistently against Florida, which is great. But it's just like the rest of the game plan. How, how do you just, you protected the paint and you kept Scottie Pippen Jr. from doing it? It's like, but just h- how, and I don't mean like, I don't mean in a sense of just like a, like a hyperbolic sense. I mean, literally how can you completely ignore the rest of the Vanderbilt offense, which is just watch the three. I like I don't get how they, they don't care mu- that much for mid range. I don't get how you can completely screw that up and fumble that like that. Just, that makes no sense to me. Um, And it's just further proving, not even further proving my point Further pushing the narrative, which I usually don't care for pushing narratives, but further pushing the narrative of Mike White doesn't belong here. Like there's no reason that that Vanderbilt should have put up seventy-eight. And again, I get it. The win was great coming behind from the coming behind for the win was great. But it's something that I spoke about, I believe, last Tuesday, where I was like, I don't care about that win because Florida has had so many wins this year where it's like, well, why are they tra- like they're they're trailing big and then they come back and win? why is that constantly what happens with this team it, it's it's unacceptable it's disgusting it's just bad it's not florida it's not florida basketball simple as that like that like you're just sullying the name at this point the kentucky game this saturday at 2 p.m eastern time that much more valuable now because we needed a good win against vanderbilt we didn't get it we didn't get that it was a good game not a good win so we didn't get that good win now we need a damn strong showing against kentucky and a damn strong showing in the sec tournament which i don't know what we're going to get from them if we want to make the national champ if we want to make the march madness tournament uh just i i don't think i've ever been less confident in the florida gators basketball team and i realize i've said that earlier this year and i'm saying it now because i'm even less confident than i was you know florida yeah you beat auburn at home and that's great um you almost beat arkansas at home and that's great but you know, Kentucky dominated the last time these two teams played. This wasn't like – like when Auburn beat Florida the first time, it was a closed game. Kentucky demolished Florida. It, it was 78-57. And, I mean, look at – rebounding-wise especially, Florida hasn't won the rebounding battle in SEC play. That's just what they've done. They haven't they haven't won the rebounding battle in SEC play at all. And when you look at the Kentucky game, Kentucky demolished Florida rebounding-wise. Like, like the Gators, I get it. You get – Kentucky in Gainesville and Florida's been great at home. They have, but golly, I don't know how I'm supposed to look at the team that needed a 9-0 run in the final few minutes to beat Vanderbilt, and I don't know how I'm supposed to look at them and say they got this against the team that beat them by 21 last time they played earlier in the season. Oscar Shebue might put up 30-30 at this point, and that wouldn't even surprise me. And look, I I know I, I love Colin Castleton. Y'all know I love Colin Castleton more than most people do. And he's he's been on a tear recently offensively, but he's got to get more active on the boards and he's got to get active earlier. And I put some of that blame on Mike White uh, because I think this offense so much has Colin Castleton at, at the top of the key. Waiting to swing the ball like he's like he's vintage Marc Gasol or something, and and so much of him is waiting low blocks just with his hands up, just waiting on the low block outside of the center. So when the shot does go up and it's not from Colin Castleton, that center's already got Colin Castleton boxed out. So I, I think there's just so much wrong with this game plan and this approach. The Gators need a strong showing on Saturday and in the SEC tournament, and i I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I don't. I don't know if we're going to get it. Um, this is just, it, it's just such a lackluster Gators team this year that I, I hate watching them sometimes. It's just so frustrating to sit through, but I'm going to do it because I'm a Gators fan and that's what we do. Anybody else make money this weekend? I know I did. had a little bit of a run. BetOnline.net is how I do it. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. And usually I'm like, I'll take Florida to cover the spread. I'll take Florida money line against Vanderbilt? No, no. I took an alt spread. Uh, I took that Florida would win the game by 11 and a half because I was like, hey, last time Florida played them, they won by 19 and they, they stifled Vanderbilt's offense and they didn't have Colin Castleton. Boy, am I a dummy. BetOnline.net even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost... <clears throat> Anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. BetOnline.net. It's where the game starts. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about my thoughts on non combine Gators. Those non combine Gators that we're going to talk about, running back Malik Davis, and who I constantly almost call Malik Willis, just out of habit when talking draft. And offensive tackle Gene Delance. First one that we're going to talk about is Malik Davis because he is someone that I really thought of as a combine snub. Um, you know, he wasn't a Senior Bowl kid, wasn't a Shrine Bowl kid, I, no, no All Star Game kid. He he, he wasn't. Uh, he's not a combine invite, so he's gonna have to wait for his pro day to show off numbers. Um, but it was weird to me because he's someone who. He excels as a receiver out of the backfield. And I've said it before, it wouldn't shock me if we saw him play some slot at the next level. Not that I think he'd be amazing there, but I think that he'd be good enough to, you know, hit a slant, go to the flat, run a bubble screen, whatever it might be, to just be a little bit of an offensive weapon and a threat there. Um and look, that that's valuable. Like you look at, you look at, I mean, there's at this point, a number of teams that do it, the 49ers are, are the ones that are popular for Debo Samuel playing receiver and running back. They call him the wide back now. Um, that's valuable to be able to play multiple positions in an NFL off in an NFL where offenses are increasingly using players in a variety of ways all over the formation. You look at the New York Giants with Kadarius Toney last year. So we could talk about a Florida Gator. Kadarius Toney played He played out wide. He played in the slot. He played as a running back. He played as a quarterback for Wildcats sometimes. He moved all over the formation, and he's going to do much more of that this year with Brian Dable. But um, I think Malik Davis, obviously he's not as talented as a receiver as Debo Samuel. He's not as twitchy as a ball carrier as Kadarius Toney. But I think he's got a role as that gadget-type player. He's no Tavon Austin. No, of course not but he's someone who can move around the formation and play a bit in multiple spots. And he's got enough speed to break a big play. If he gets space in front of him and he's um, I'll say, I'll say Malik Davis is shifty enough to create in the open field and make some players miss. I also don't know why he was a combine snub. I think that was, or why he wasn't a combine invite because he was a massive combine snub that it just doesn't make sense to me. Like Isaiah Pacheco from Rutgers, like, look, I'm, I'm an, I'm a tri stater. Like I love you Rutgers, but Isaiah Pacheco had no right being at the combine if Malik Davis didn't get an invite. Uh, so that that's where I'm at with it, where it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think Malik Davis was a big snub. I think he's going to play on Sundays. Um, I don't know how much, or I'll say, I think he's going to be active on Sundays. I don't know how much he'll play. I don't know how involved he'll be, but I think he's someone who we're going to see on Sundays for a few years. Where he's gonna know that he's on a roster and he's gonna be making his money, which is all, all you could really ask for. Next up is Gene DeLance. Like I mentioned, the offensive tackle. He uh, he had an inconsistent season, and I will say I absolutely adore going on Twitter and seeing, like, just searching Gene DeLance and seeing so so many times of uh, like. There's one clip I forgot who posted it. But they said this should be Gene Delance's last snap as a Gator. Um, he, he was right tackle. Uh, I forget the game it was, but Kyle Trask was the starting. So it was a 2021 season or 2020 season. Um, Might have been the bowl game. And they, the other team runs a stunt, and the pressure gets in, and Gene Delance can't make the play. And I think they like it's just one of those things where you don't realize. One, how difficult it is to stop a stunt and guard and block against a stunt. But two, how it's impossible when the outside player stunts to the inside, how impossible it is for the right tackle to go make that play while the right guard is blocking a defender in between them. Um, Which, look, he's got his faults. There's no doubt about that. I think he's got great length and great footwork, which are two solid foundations to be an NFL offensive tackle. But uh, it's one of those things where fault him for something that's his fault you know it it reminds me of like i get a review there's like too many ads it's like because i don't control that (laughs) so so that is what it is fault people for something that's their fault i think he does great work as a downfield blocker in the screen game i think he loves getting to the second level and pummeling linebackers and pummeling secondary players i think he does a great job there and you know trevor sikama mentioned on monday when he was here that gene delance wants people to watch his tape against alabama Uh, because Gene Lentz did a solid job against Will Anderson. He lost reps. He won a couple reps, which is more than some people can say against Will Anderson. But he wants people to watch his tape against Alabama, not because it's his most dominant tape. No, but because he's going against the best. He's going against Will Anderson most of the time, who, if you don't know this, Will Anderson, a.k.a., the best player in college football in 2021. So I, I think that, you know, Malik Davis, I think you've got a spot. Gene Delance, I think you've got a spot with the right offensive line group. Like I'd love to see Gene Delance go to the Patriots and I hate the Patriots, but I think that there are few teams that really maximize the potential of offensive linemen. And Gene Delance is going to be one of those guys where if he goes to the Patriots, he can really clean up and really be great. Like, like he's shown that he can be pretty good. Like, like, and like, Heavily not a great offensive line coach. Like I'm, I'm glad he's gone. But Gene DeLance is someone who I feel has been I don't want to say misused, but hasn't been developed as well as he should have been. And I think that in the NFL, I think he's going to be a better pro player um, than college. And I I don't think that's I don't think that's something you say for offensive linemen very often. But I think that's very true with Gene Delance. I think that once he gets NFL coaching, he's going to be good because he's got the foundations already. He just needs fine tuning. And I think that he's going to be a, a day three pick at some point. Um, I think he's good enough for that. And I think Malik Davis is good enough where he's probably going to go undrafted. But I also think that he's got a role in the NFL. And I think both these guys are going to play on Sundays. And I try to be unbiased when I talk about these Gators. And I, I think that I'm very accurate with these two specifically. Um, so I, I, I'm. I'm annoyed that they're not at the combine, but I'm happy for them because I think they've got bright futures. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators. Your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free. We have a listen in the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more about Florida Gators. Now make your second listen of the day, Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. For Locked On Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all of my written work with Whole9Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. And I will see you all tomorrow.